Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving, like Organifi green juice with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. Or Organifi red juice, a superfood punch that increases energy without caffeine and only 2 grams of sugar. Each Organifi blend is easy to use simply by mixing it with water or your favorite beverage while on the go, and they don't compromise quality for taste. Organifi takes pride in offering the best-tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Go to Organifi.com genius and use the code genius for 20% off your order. That's Organifi.com forward slash genius. Use code genius to get 20% off any item. Remember, www.organifi.com slash genius. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we get started, I have a quick favor. I've been self-funding the Finding Genius Podcast for five years now. I've done over 3,000 episodes. And as you can see on YouTube, we're up over a million views on the channel, which is fantastic. The next thing I really want to push on is to get up to 10,000 subscribers. Because once we do, we'll be able to put a donate button and uh, we'll be able to solicit donations uh, to help keep the podcast running and to also get the Finding Genius Foundation moving along. We have a big project studying anxiety, depression, and PTSD and working on a product to help people overcome these problems uh, because I've seen them explode recently after the, uh, you know, the last two years of the whole virus situation. So if you would, please subscribe to the podcast. That would help us tremendously. Give us a thumbs up. And check in the description for Buy Me a Coffee. It's about five bucks. If you could buy me a coffee, I'd really appreciate it. It would help keep the channel going, and I love coffee. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Paul Frail. He's a senior technical leader at Suez, S-U-E-Z, Water Technologies and Solutions. So we're going to talk about water reuse, water scarcity, uh, and how it's treated. So, Paul, thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, looking forward to our discussion today. Yeah, if you would, tell me a bit about your background and then your current work today. Sure, not a problem. So I, I would say I, I had a very nonlinear path to where I am today. I did my PhD in organic chemistry at the University of Pennsylvania. I studied uh, how to make near-IR dyes for deep tissue tumor imaging to also developing optoelectronic devices with them. I also postdoc at the University of Pennsylvania, but in the material science electrical engineering department. Uh, there, I was working on how to make organic transistors and uh, working on how you change the surface of the material to get a different result in the, the transistor. And then sort of by chance, I, I ended up into the water field shortly after doing my postdoc. That was um, about 2010 when I entered the industrial water space. Uh, my wife had already 
gotten her job as a PhD chemist and uh, had family in the Philadelphia area. So, you know, I really came down to, I had to ask myself, what, what is it that I really loved about all the science that I was doing? And uh, I always kind of came back to uh, one of my professors was uh, Dr. Alan McDermott, who was a Nobel laureate. And uh, in all his talks, he would always just say, you know, if I'm not, if I stop learning, I'm dying. I guess I wouldn't take it that far, but that was really what was most important to me was that I wanted to be learning as I was doing my science. Uh, and then at the same time, that learning process lead to the, the accomplishment of solving a problem or working in a group. And, uh, yeah, I, I took my own advice that I, I've given other people is that, uh, when looking for jobs, you know, throw a very wide net, consider everything as a possibility. And, uh, you know, I found, I, I applied to the, the water company and, uh, my manager back then called me up and said, Hey, look, no one gets a degree in industrial water applications, but, uh, I think you'd be great for the position. And, uh, I, I went in and, yeah, I still to this day remember the first question someone asked me, which was, tell me everything you know about water. And I was pretty much uh, dumbfounded and surprised at how little I could actually talk about water uh, in the interview process. But, you know, fortunate enough, you know, they, they realized that I was going to do a lot of learning over the next uh, 10 plus years. And, you know, I had a terrific opportunity to, to enter into the industrial water space. All right. So what do you do today? What's the functions of your job? So in the industrial water space, uh, we handle pretty much all the water applications or water utilities for all our industrial companies. So we service uh, cooling towers, boilers, uh, membranes, uh, wastewater, and we deal with refineries, petrochemical plants, food and beverage, hospitals, power plants. Uh, we pretty much help them manage their water. Uh, so that they can protect their assets. And if their assets are well protected, that means their productivity is, is going to be positive or good. So we typically provide chemical treatment programs. We also provide uh, engineered solutions or equipment uh, to go along with it. And uh, I primarily work in the, the cooling space. So working with cooling towers and cooling systems, which if, if you're not familiar with the water space, Pretty much you really couldn't have anything that we, we take for granted or, or privilege today in our homes and in our lives without having a cooling system present at any of these industrial facilities. Water is, is right at the heart of pretty much everything that makes our life a comfort. Okay. So what, what kind of interesting things have you learned about water and working with it in your job? I mean, I'm sure there's a ton, but you know, what are some of the, the, I don't know, the really unexpected cool things that you've learned. So, you know, the going back to like that first question I was asked in, in my interview process, tell me everything you know about water. Uh, I can now certainly ramble on for more than our 30 minutes discussion. But I think uh, what I never realized and, and I've grown to appreciate a lot is that it is truly a privilege for us to just walk up to pretty much anywhere in the U.S. and you turn on a faucet and you have running water and that running water is is drinkable potable you can wash yourselves with it at the same time when you just walk into a store and no one actually thinks that water is actually important for you to have a phone or to have a tv or cable 
just to drive your car, the amount of water that it takes to get that gasoline into your car or even to well, make. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. What, why does it take water to get gasoline into your car? How much water? Where does it, where does it come into play? What's a good example that would, you know, make people say, Oh, huh, I didn't realize that and appreciate yeah. water more. Absolutely. So at a refinery, people may talk about processing oil at a refinery and that's that's about it, right? The gas truck rolls up to the gas station, you go to the gas station and pump your gas. But if you were to actually go inside the refinery, what you're going to find is that the entire refinery process relies on a cooling system. So as they separate out the from the crude oil, the the various liquors they're going to have to use a lot of heat. That heat is actually generated from a boiler system that has to have its own water supply uh, and has to be actually a very pure water uh, that goes into the boiling system to generate the steam to then heat up the, the crude or the processed fluid. And as that begins the distillation process to get the different fractions, then you need to recool it down. And so it's this whole uh, combination of heating, cooling, heating, cooling that's going on at a refinery that they, they need a, an ample water supply. And so you could be talking about hundreds of thousands of gallons a day, if not millions of gallons a day. Most of that water does get recycled and reused within a plant, but it's, uh, they, they do require a significant amount of water on site all the time. And so without without actually having the boiler system and the cooling system, it, you wouldn't be able to process the the oil into the various types of products, let it be diesel to gasoline. You know, a good example is uh, several years ago, one of the at one of the California refineries, they they had an explosion and our company had to come in with specialized trucks to provide the ultra pure water for the boiler systems just so that they could keep other parts of the plant uh, functional and operational because that explosion had t- taken out some of the, the water on site. Well, I'm familiar with um, water treatment plants, you know, for residential use, but uh, who or what creates the massive amount of water needed for, you know, industrial uses or specialized uses like ultra pure water? Right. So in, in industrial applications, they, in many cases, when the facility was built, they acquired the, the the water well rights. So many facilities have access to their own wells on site uh, that they pull from. Uh, they can also pull from the municipal water supply. So they, they will purchase water from municipalities and, and use that. Uh, they will also use, many times they are pulling from large bodies of water. So uh, they may be pulling from lakes, uh, rivers, oceans, to provide them with the water they have. And each has their difficulties in terms of how they can use it and what chemical treatments they need to, to use that particular water. Okay. So what, uh, I don't know, where, where is the innovation in what you do? What keeps you interested since you always want to keep learning? <laughs> what kind of frontiers are you trying to push in your job? So, you know, we, we have, uh, and this goes to your previous question, you know, one of the things I, I never knew about the entire cooling industry as a whole is that, they were kind of in the early days uh, of cooling chemical treatment programs. They're at the heart of the Aaron Brockovich story. So in the beginning, they they were using chromic acid to treat uh, cooling systems to provide the corrosion protection that was necessary 
in them. And so in cooling applications, you're, you're sort of fighting three, three battles. One is corrosion control. The other is deposition control. That's where the salts can deposit out of the water and microbiological control. And in the early days when they were using chromic acid, it was an easy treatment program because you could operate at a very low, low pH and you wouldn't have to worry about deposition. And then chromic acid was a very, very effective corrosion inhibitor. Uh, so they just, uh, when I met some of our more senior people, they said it was easy. You just fed chromic acid until the water turned yellow. Unfortunately, many people got sick. Uh, because the water was discharged improperly. Many people got sick because people didn't think about chemical safety the way they do today. And so that created a big transition in the cooling arena that where they switched away from chrome and they went to phosphate as their corrosion inhibitor. This led to uh, about in the 90s, a huge explosion in the development of polymer chemistry to handle the phosphate in the water as a corrosion inhibitor and to prevent uh, deposition from calcium carbonate or calcium phosphate type salts in the cooling program. Now, as we've continued to learn more, all the algae blooms that are happening, one of the next to uh, some of the agricultural contributions, uh, industrial cooling systems are a contributor to the phosphorus that gets discharged uh, into the lakes, the streams, and the oceans. And so they can uh, contribute to the, the algal blooms that are ultimately damaging one of our greatest resources we have. And so we have been on this journey where we're sort of in our third iteration cooling programs where we're heavily focused now on, well, how can we remove phosphorus from our cooling programs so that we still provide the same uh, quality of service to the industrial sector and at the same time be environmentally conscious and so that's uh so what are the sources of phosphorus and what does it do if it's in your water sure so one of the the best uh, uh deposit cr- uh, inhibitors that the industry uses is what we call phosphonates these are just uh, small molecule organic anionically charged uh, molecules that have phosphate groups on them and those phosphate groups can be easily broken down in the cooling system by microorganisms as a food source. Uh, cooling systems also use uh, just straight phosphorus acid. So by adding phosphorus as your corrosion inhibitor, they maintain it in the cooling tower and then it gets discharged uh, directly to uh, various bodies of water if it doesn't go to a wastewater treatment facility. So those, those are really your, your main sources of phosphorus. Uh, in industrial applications is either through a chemical treatment or it's fed as straight phosphorus acid. What does it do to the water when you need to work on it, when you need to use it in some industrial application? How does it change it? So uh, phosphate is an excellent corrosion inhibitor. It, um, It interacts with the metal surface to make metal phosphates and all metal phosphates are insoluble. So it creates a, a film on the metal pipes and doesn't allow them to corrode. It can also interact with the calcium that's in the water and form calcium phosphate, and that salt is insoluble in it. And when you use it with our polymer technology, it puts down about a, a micron or less thick film on, the, on, on all the metal surfaces so that they don't corrode within the, in the cooling system. So it's something that's not there naturally. 
from the water as you take it into the industrial plant. It's something that is added uh, as a treatment. But to do that, we actually had to develop advanced polymer technology to complement the, the use of phosphorus as a corrosion inhibitor. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving, like Organifi green juice with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. Or Organifi red juice, a superfood punch that increases energy without caffeine and only 2 grams of sugar. Each Organifi blend is easy to use simply by mixing it with water or your favorite beverage while on the go, and they don't compromise quality for taste. Organifi takes pride in offering the best-tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Go to Organifi.com genius and use the code genius for 20% off your order. That's Organifi.com forward slash genius. Use code genius to get 20% off any item. Remember, www.organifi.com slash genius. Is an excess of phosphorus helpful or harmful to no, it's, help, it's, it's helpful for providing corrosion protection. It's harmful when the industrial site is directly discharging that water to a, a river, lake, or ocean. Once, once they discharge the cooling water and it has that extra phosphorus, that's a micronutrient for algae and other microbes. And so... They, they feed off of it and they have a rapid bloom. That rapid bloom essentially suffocates the water. Uh, all, too much of the algae begins to absorb all the oxygen in the water and it depletes the water of it, the oxygen. And so you have mass, mass aquatic kill. Okay. So, so right. When it becomes runoff or the water is finally released, let's say into the environment, if it has too much phosphorus, then it'll uh, encourage algae blooms and gunk up you know, different uh, pipes and works and lakes yes, and yeah. rivers and places like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it happens just about every year in the Mississippi where they, they have algae blooms. Um, many just lakes all around the U.S. Have, are battling algae blooms because of the excess phosphorus that it's coming from a variety of sources, but industrial cooling systems is, is one of those contributors. Why can't you um, preserve... 95% of the water, let's say, and just keep cleaning it. Why, why have to release, you know, a whole bunch of water? And would that be helpful to the industry if there was equipment that could, you know, I guess, just about forever recycle most of it so that there's very little runoff at all and it could just be kept and new water doesn't have to be trucked in? Right. So the, um, about 75% of the industry, they, they discharge their water to a water treatment facility. And so they, the water treatment, when that happens 75% of the time, the, the water treatment facility can effectively remove the large amount of phosphorus that's coming in with that water. The downside is that when that facility is trying to handle all the water, uh, water from a community plus the industrial community, uh, they're kind of, a lot of them have been outdated. So if you get heavy rains, that can create uh, overflow before they had a chance to remove all the phosphorus. So if you can, whatever you can do to limit how much phosphorus goes to the water treatment facility, it, it, it just makes it a, 
much controlled or easier solution for them. For the other 25% that are directly discharging to the lake streams, oceans, they they can use various, uh, depending on what their their setup is and what permits they have, they could use settling ponds. So in settling ponds, they just sort of hold the water after it's been used in the plant, and they try to let the, the phosphorus precipitate out uh, over time, and then they remove the top layer of the water. Uh, some places will use a membrane chemistry uh, that we have to clean up the water before it gets discharged out. Uh, so, so there are methods in place that, that you just uh, inquired about that they can do. And so it's really a cost analysis. It would be far better for the industry and better for our customers if we just gave them a solution that didn't utilize phosphorus in the in the cooling systems because then they they wouldn't have to have multi-million dollar investments to remove it on the on the back end okay i, I want to include um, some practical tips if it's possible uh, for people that are trying to just utilize water on their own let's say they have a garden in their yard or just you know their home use is there in all your experience do you have any tips for people uh, that use water in a residential way or a farming way to help so, you know, when it comes to farming, they they have advanced some of the fertilizing methods to try to have better, to have the phosphorus more or less tied up. So it's a more of a slow and controlled release so that it doesn't run off. We have interacted with uh, various sort of small startup companies where they they're trying to develop sort of the Internet of Things for agriculture. And so in, in these types of applications, they're trying to put sensors throughout farmers fields so that they they have a really better idea of where they need to apply the uh, fertilizer with phosphorus instead of just doing a blanket covering of their of their field uh, they they can target and be more judicious about how they use uh, their their fertilizer for most people at home you know simply just reading the instructions on your package that says you know don't don't apply this before a heavy rainstorm or uh, apply this and do a water in with just your your own water uh, can help uh, reduce uh, the the amount of phosphorus runoff that goes through storm drains when it does rain. Uh, many times, uh, most people just apply chemistry to their lawns and gardens without uh, even checking their soil to see if it needs it. Uh, in many cases, there's more than enough phosphorus in our grant in the soil for growing grass, plants, trees, uh, gardens. So you know, those, those types of services are available. Well, for an individual person, should they try to filter the water they're using from their hose? Is there anything oh, they should do that, so, uh, you know, that would help them? So most of the water, you know, the municipal water that comes to our homes, it's really municipality dependent. So some regions in the U.S., they, they're adding uh, low levels of phosphorus to the drinking water as a corrosion inhibitor that, that helps combat the, the water service lines to your house, that type of corrosion, uh, let it be copper or if it's even a lead pipe, the use of phosphorus is highly recommended. In that case, other communities uh, may use very low levels of zinc or silicate, but in your home, it's typically not a problem unless you have uh, hard water coming into your home. So uh, if you're pulling from a well water that can have... Uh, iron or uh, higher amounts of calcium in it, then then you might have to go to some sort of filtration system and 
many times you just have to stop and think where, where, where's, uh, where's my biggest problem in my home where I might have deposits building up. If it's, you might just need a sort of filtration or softening system ahead of a hot water heater. Or if you're worried about um, more or less what you're drinking, then you may just need a, some sort of filtration system at your, your kitchen sink. And you don't necessarily need like a a full home system in most cases. Should people uh, perhaps test the water that comes into their house? And if so, are are kits available? Are they hard to get? And, and, you know, if they test, what can they do about it if they find something unusual? By law, actually, all your municipalities should provide a public record of your home water quality. Uh, you pro- most people probably get mailed twice a year uh, what it is. And uh, if you go to your, your state environmental homepage, you, you should be able to look up your, your municipality water. If not, if you call them and ask for a water report, they, w- they will, uh, I believe they're, they're supposed to supply it to you. Now, I, I've just, out of my own cur- curiosity, I've done you know, advanced water testing uh, on the water that comes into my house, it typically matches what is provided. But you can, uh, the, you know, for a small fee, you can send your water out to be tested. And usually when they test it, they do provide the safety limits for various uh, components in the water. So I think, uh, oddly enough, my, my brother had just moved and had just done that. He had advanced testing on his water. He asked me to look at it. And I said, look, your water actually looks fine. There's nothing alarming about it uh, in terms of uh, the all the various salts that are in there. Uh, he was actually more concerned about some of the, the levels associated with uh, herbicide, polyfluorinated uh, alkyls or PFOS, the like. And I said, look, you know, the those you're more worried about ingesting. So just uh, you don't need a full home filter system, but you can uh, I point it in the direction of a couple filter systems that would handle what he was concerned about. And so he, he installed them uh, just before his kitchen sink and his refrigerator water and just made sure that there was that extra filtration because he, he has well water. So there was ex- he needed extra, that extra bit of filtration to handle some of the runoff in the summer from the use of herbicides. Okay. For people that may have water problems that they don't know about, is there anything that they would notice in themselves or in the water itself, or, you know, if they, you know, let's say they wash the dishes, they notice something unusual, or again, they drink it, they notice something unusual. Like what, what are a few common things, if you know, that would signal that someone's water quality has a problem? So I think, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to the, their actual personal body, I mean, that's more of a, uh, a doctor position to speak on that when it comes to what are some specific signs that, Hey, you know, maybe I, I need to look a little closer at my water quality is that, uh, if you have, uh, deposits building up in your dishwasher, uh, that, that could be a telltale sign that you either have too much calcium coming in with your water. And that's what we call hard water, or you have too much iron, uh, coming in with your water. And so sometimes your dish dishes might come out and they have like a light film on them. That's white and might be a little bit yellowish. These are just salt deposits. They're not harmful to you. They're more of a nuisance. Uh, you may see this in and around your shower heads where you're using hot water. Uh, you may experience like uh, disruption in flow in your home water system. Uh, that could be indicative of 
having uh, some sort of deposit buildup in your pipes and, and it's not allowing uh, the correct amount of water flow to come out. And, you know, industrial systems are very analogous to that. If you have deposits in industrial systems, that's exactly what they see is reduced flow uh, in their pipes. And, and that's usually a telltale sign. And so uh, plumbing services can provide cleanings. Uh, if you have moved on to a, um, a tankless water heater, Tankless water heaters are just like industrial heat exchangers. And so, uh, you know, every uh, year or so, you, you may have to ask a, uh, a plumber to come in and, and do a quick cleaning of your tankless water heater to get rid of any of the deposits. But most of the time when you're seeing deposits in and, in and around all your sink and dishwasher, that's usually a telltale sign. You got too much iron or you have too much uh, calcium coming in with your your water and so it's depositing out with hot water in those cases uh, a plumber could recommend various types of solutions from just a simple filtration system of the water coming in to remove some of the hardness and the particles or it can be a, a home softening unit that that you might need and so they, they actually do sell uh, home test kits uh, they're similar to like your your pool test kit or jacuzzi test kit where you can test to see if the calcium is in range uh, yourself. Okay, well, very good. Paul, what's the best way for people to find out more about your work? Uh, you know, where can they go to see it? So uh, I, I present a lot of times at our industrial conferences uh, that deal with uh, cooling towers. I'm active in the ACS, the American Chemical Society. You can also go to our company's website. They, they have a lot of information regarding industrial water treatment as a whole. And that would be at the, uh, the Suez Water Technologies and Solutions website. Uh, those are probably the best places. Uh, I have been slow to update my LinkedIn account, but that, that, that is another place, hopefully in the near future, where I get a lot of stuff up there in terms of what I'm doing. Okay, well, very good. Paul, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Great to be here. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving, like Organifi green juice with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. Or Organifi red juice, a superfood punch that increases energy without caffeine, and only 2 grams of sugar. Each Organifi blend is easy to use simply by mixing it with water or your favorite beverage while on the go, and they don't compromise quality for taste. Organifi takes pride in offering the best-tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Go to Organifi.com genius and use the code genius for 20% off your order. That's Organifi.com forward slash genius. Use code genius to get 20% off any item. Remember, www.organifi.com slash genius. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. 
This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.